this is a fun flip of the script anyway. It's been you interviewing me in the past. Yes. Um, I was trying to remember what year that was. I think it was 2017. Was it? Like, does that seem right? Yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, it was. I was in my old apartment. Yeah. That's mad. And we met in Radisson Blue. Yeah. 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 Um, I remember because I, like the narcissist that I am, posted a photo of my outfit of the day. Oh, yeah. In the, from the bathroom there. <laughs> oh, and nice. I remember my outfit of the day because I was like, I'm going to meet Layla. Like, I need to. Okay, I need to fucking step it up a bit. <laughs> As you can see, it didn't extend to today. I'm just... Oh, I'm, I love what you're wearing today, don't worry. <laughs> it was all good until you get to the shoes and then it's just like Grotzville down there. I'm the exact same. Look at mine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like a bit cleaner, to mm. be fair. Yeah, and then you. I meant to tell you about the food piece. You, I, I did. We did an interview where I talked about food one time, and uh, you're right. Yeah, my mom was um, taste for life. Yes. Yeah. My mom was raging because oh. I insulted her casserole in that. Oh. Oh, I got a very snotty. She probably won't like me bringing it up now. Oh but, no, it's uh, I got so... a very snotty text from her about <laughs> it. I thought she knew <laughs> that her casserole was gross, <laughs> but um. Oh no. Yeah. So. Hello and welcome to Pre-Drinks at Layla's, the podcast where I sit and have a drink with the guest and discuss the topic du jour. My guest this week is the gorgeous Sophie White, um, journalist, author, writer, etc. And just all around sound bitch, really. Thank you so much for coming on, Sophie. I chose not to contradict any of those lovely <laughs> descriptors. I was like, I no. am gorgeous. <laughs> yes. Like maybe not today, but some days I can really, I can really get there. I follow you on Instagram. I, I see your best. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you've seen it. <laughs> um, so as our drink today, we are having a Diet Coke. Um, I'm just going to open mine for the microphone here. I've already laced You already did. Here. Yeah, it's yeah. It's fine. Um, Diet Coke is gone expensive because he lives or whatever they call it um <laughs> you were an expensive guest remember when cans used to be a euro i know i know i remember when like cans of beer were a euro oh like yeah. tuborg was one of my drinks of choice back when i was an active alcoholic uh-huh. which makes me sound like i was really like gung-ho about my alcoholism <laughs> i was active mm-hmm. i was super active mm-hmm. um getting out there getting amongst it drinking my little tits off to yeah. the detriment of my life and everyone in it. <laughs> um, and yeah, like you could get six cans of Tuborg for seven euro and a bottle of Buckfast. And that was like my night out. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did grow up a little bit then and I'd only get the Buckfast for festivals. Okay. Because yeah. yeah, then I think I moved on to, oh yeah, vodka and uh, sparkling water. Yeah, that's and my drink at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, it's not good. Well, it wasn't good for me because I was, you know, engaged in some subterfuge and would always like order doubles of vodka, I you know, see. and you couldn't you couldn't tell. tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it was how I was able to, you know, appear totally normal <laughs> while just destroying my life. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I didn't realize you were an alcoholic, actually. Did you not? No, yeah. I actually didn't. I, I think I did know it now that I now that you say it, but I mean, you can probably see it in my <laughs> dead behind the eyes expression. <laughs> I am five years sober. Okay. This week. Oh my god! Congratulations. Thank you. That's really impressive. It's my sober birthday on Friday. Oh, amazing! Yeah. Are you doing anything? Um, I think I'm going swimming with my friend. Lovely. She's so cute. She messaged me this morning and was like, um, "Fancy swim this week." I was like, yeah, totes. And then she was like, what about Friday? It's an auspicious day. And then she sent a little picture of her calendar. And on it was, so five years sober today. And I was just like, oh my gosh, that's, somebody else has that marked in their calendar. She's such a dote. She actually always marks it really nicely for me. Like she's in the past, like sent away for like big, like a birthday badge, but it's like sober four years, sober Uh. three years, you know that way. Yeah. So I'm going to go for a swim and I'm going to um, get a cake and I'm going to make the same joke that I make every year to my mom, which is I'm five years sober. Time for champagne. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And my mom is uh, like about 30. How many years? She's like 34 years sober. Really? 33. That's really impressive. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. But she'll get there. Yeah, I'll get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I believe in you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so that's just one of my mental illnesses. Okay. <laughs> just yes. one of the, the bouquet <laughs> that I have going on over here. Well, what a segue that you said that because it's the topic du jour. Mm. Um is hit it Nile. Minding your head, all things mental health, mental illness. Um, you know, I decided this topic would be good for the two of us because we both have a lot of experience with going mad. Yeah, um, I would say like a very um, full history of being uh, full time mad bitches. Yeah, yeah, but also talking about it, which yes. I, I, I mean, I like talking about it, and um, I've I've read your articles about it and stuff. I think you're very good at talking about it too. Yeah, I won't um, shut up about it. I actually feel neither. I'm boring people, surely. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, the way a few years ago, like people were talking about anxiety and depression, like starting to talk about it in the mainstream. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing somebody on radio being like, oh, like this again. And I remember thinking, brilliant. Someone's yeah. getting sick of talking about this means we're finally talking about it enough. Totally. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so now I kind of take that as my <laughs> my aim. I'm like, if I'm boring the crap out of people with this, then great. Yeah. Good. Yeah. It's time, it's time that it's normalized to the extent that we're bored of it. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, my friends always make that joke that like, oh, you were in Pats? Like, but I'm like, yeah, I love talking about it. You know, I want to tell the world and also... Pat says Ireland's most glamorous psych hospital. That was uh, for my show. So beg to differ. <laughs> you beg to differ. John of Gods jo- oh, has right. its own pitch and put out the back. Okay, yeah, admittedly, I haven't been in John of Gods, but uh, there's, pitch, there's pitch and put in Pats. Is well. there? Yeah. Where are they keeping that? Well, it's actually mini golf, and you have to say mini okay. golf. You can't cannot say crazy golf. Great. You're in a psych hospital. I've been told that many times. Can you call it mentally ill golf? Uh, yeah, you can. <laughs> um, what is it with people being totally 
unhinged and mentally ill and being stored in a place than, and then provided with golf sticks. Golf clubs. It's so unusual. Yeah. Yeah, um, I love it. I love that. Yeah, that you're walking in the hospital and there are locked wards and like different levels of security, and then somebody will walk down the corridor past you with a golf club. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I always it's like I'm not allowed to have my phone charger. Why is <laughs> yes, they took my knitting needles, needles away. <laughs> oh no! Why can I not have this? Oh my god! I actually never got into it though when I was there. Like there was kind of a core gang that were very like. <laughs> golf focused <laughs> okay. during their stay and um, one of the core gang had a one-to-one do you guys have one-to-ones in Pats? no so that's like when you're assigned like a nurse who shadows you all the time oh god okay yeah so I, I felt left out I didn't have a one-to-one I had oh, to no. I had to walk around all day on my own Ugh. Uh, with my thoughts <laughs> um, but uh, one of the guys one-to-ones I used to see them out on the course and the one-to-one just looked so bored. Yeah. The one-to-one was A, not a fan of golf. Mm-hmm. B, had not been invited to play the golf. I think oh. possibly wasn't allowed to play the golf because okay. they needed to focus on their one-to-one yeah. thing. Um, not a good look if you're supposed to be shadowing someone I suppose to be playing a game. Yeah, yeah. And I always <laughs> remember like um, the guy trying to use the one-to-one as a caddy and like carrying <laughs> the gloves and stuff. Um, but yeah, we had a track there's a track that goes around the golf um, in John of Gods and I used to just run on the track and uh, I used to just run. The track was a kilometre and I used to just run that track over and over and over. Really? Oh, like, I don't know. Like, well, I, I kind of see I'd gone in there kind of for a spell of like mania. OK, so I was kind of just, just trying, trying to, to get your energy get the fucking balls out of me. Yeah. Oh. So yeah. annoying. I used to be jealous because in Pats they have all the um, exercise equipment in the gardens, but I, w- I was on an exercise ban for a oh. long time when I was on there. I wasn't even allowed to take the stairs for Is a while. Is that the ED? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I wasn't that bad. Um, but, yeah, and then um, I used to feel really left out and then I got well enough that I was allowed to use the exercise machines and I was like, I hate, I remembered that I hated exercise. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> oh, this? Oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah, It's yeah. just, the, you know, when your privileges are taken away from you, it's, very frustrating um oh yeah like i remember like my first kind of four days there i wasn't allowed off the ward yeah and like i mean i i had no desire really but once it was kind of off the menu i was like clawing at it's the doors horrific. like yeah and like what's available just out there really very little <laughs> like the slightly better coffee is out there yeah but i used to get people to go down and get me one of course yeah because yeah, yeah. patients like they, they are really good like they'll all like when I had shop privileges I'd always go around everyone and ask and yeah you do the whip round yeah there Check was a in. guy who used to ask me for a scratch card every day and I'd be like you're a gambling addict babe I can't scratch card <laughs> um, and he'd be like just one um, but um, yeah I, 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 that was the nice part of it all the fellow patients looking after each other and stuff yeah um, but being locked in is horrific I made friends with like a kind of nice gang and they were kind of on the younger end of like everyone in the ward Mm -hmm. and like I thought oh I'm getting on great and like oh I bet you like if they knew I was a mother of three now they'd be like totally stunned because I felt like I was giving early 20s Uh 
And then the day that um, that I revealed my age, the big reveal, um, that I was in my 30s, um, none of them were shocked at all. And it was really hurtful. <laughs> I was like, wow, I'm more depressed than I've ever been since I've arrived. They thought I was in my 30s this whole time. They've been fucking humoring me. I thought I had really... I have a similar story, actually, and it's about being being with a fellow patient and it's actually 10 times worse. I was 19 and somebody asked me how old I was and I said guess, which is a really stupid Dangerous. thing to do. Do not do that. And she said 30. <gasps> I was no. 19. I was no. like, you. I just added 11 years to my age. No. Yeah. That was just someone lashing out. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you, you couldn't pass for 30 even now. Well, I have Botox now, so. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah. I'm very intrigued. I started getting a little young. Um, well, they say that's a good thing to do. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I had very unusual needs when I was in John and God's in that I was still breastfeeding a baby. Oh, God. In the okay. outside world. Okay. So when I rocked in, I had, you know, they, they go through your stuff and I had like, so obviously like all the chargers mm-hmm. gone. Yeah. Then they took out my knitting needles and I knit on steel needles that are like joined. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. I used to have those. Yeah. Yeah. yeah circular needles. So then. They were gone. I was like, please, they are my tiny link to sanity. Yeah. And they said, um, in a few days, you can have them back. So they were very nice about that. Okay. And then they took out the breast pump paraphernalia that consists of long leads, weird clear plastic tubing. Oh, right. Uh, kind of like udder suction bottles for uh-huh. your boobs. And um, so they kept, they were like, we have to keep this at the nurse's station and you can come and get it when you need it. And so what that led to was this really fun trip across the ward that I had to make like three or four times a day, just carrying like body temperature, human breast milk (laughs) in little bottles. And I just, yeah, I had to just go and like find somewhere to tip them out because I used to use the breast pump in a little office. Mm -hmm. So then I'd just be left with these two bottles of like human milk and just have to go and find like a toilet or sink to tip it down. But navigating the like TV area with said... showing it off. Yeah, Mm. yeah. Just displaying my wares. Do you have to pump three times a day? Oh, yeah. I mean, it depends on how much you're feeding your baby. Okay. Like you basically have to pump as much as you would be feeding the baby. What's the baby? Because your your boobs just refill. Like, because the boobs think a baby is there. Yeah. And then if you want to keep your milk supply up, this is getting into the weeds. If you want to keep (laughs) producing milk for your baby so that one day when you're back out of the psych ward, you can feed the baby again. Yeah. You have to kind of keep pumping to keep the boobs in the game, you know, keep their head in the game. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah. So, like, I mean, I, I wouldn't wake up during the night to do it. Whereas at home, I would have been waking up during the night to feed okay. the baby. But like, oh my God, then I'd wake up in the morning and like your boobs are gigantic, uh-huh. rock hard. Okay. It's so bizarre. They're like bouldery. Mm-hmm. And um, and you just are like, you have to go and get that shit out of you. And it's like the relief of it. It's a bit like a sneeze. You're like, oh my God, thank God. <laughs> thank God. Did you have bathrooms in the rooms? Um, no. Oh. We'd shared bathrooms. Uh-huh. We did. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> did you have, how many flatmates did you have? Um, what's, what does that mean? Like how many people were in your room? Oh, we had private rooms. 
Oh my God, okay. Well, I so take it back. St. Pat's is the most glamorous yeah. psych ward. Well, there's a bay that you're supposed to be on at the beginning, but because I was like early. Well, I, like I still went by my dad name when I first went into Pat's, mm. which was kind of like, I don't know why I, st- I kept my dad name for so long. It kind of became a point of like pride for a while. Um, so I used to be like identifying as male and wearing dresses and confusing the fuck out of everyone. <laughs> um, so I wasn't allowed on the bay um, because they were gendered, uh, which was great because I got straight into a private room. Mm. And then as time went on, I learned that I prefer being in the addiction ward. Right. Um, even though I've never struggled with addiction just because um, it's more fun. Um, so I used to request being on the in the addiction ward because um, it can be a bit of a, a bit of a sad time um, when you're on the mood disorder wards and stuff. Um, and yeah, but I used to then have my private rooms, but I was put on a bay once um, recently because they've decided I'm a woman now and I can be in a woman's bay, and I was not happy about that. Um, well, recently, last time I was in, that was like what three or four years ago. But yeah, oh uh, yeah, I had I was in a fourzy. So Are you sh- oh yeah curtains oh yeah around your bed I mean only the flimsiest finest flimsiest curtains oh god it was grand it's I mean, very was on so much drugs it didn't matter okay just can't get out there yeah okay, not a problem I did have like yeah I had some interesting relationships with my roommates in bed <laughs> no that would have been like actually such a pleasant way of passing the time mm-hmm. no. Just kind of, just, you know, personalities. Yeah. Oh, I know. It's a lot of big personalities sometimes. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. I'm trying to think what else is my, like, fond memory. See, I was in during pandemic. Oh, Oh, God. Yeah. So, I do remember my friend visiting me and we had to be on either side of this like window and talk to each other on our phones a bit no. like it felt like those prison scenes the prison scenes yeah, yeah yeah so that was really unusual and then like you know like you're already feeling kind of delusional and demented and then there's just like you're just confronted with like all these people wearing the plastic visors yeah. and it just like adds this layer of surreal yeah to the, whole, the whole proceedings but um yeah, it was really good. Did you have the late night snack cart? No. Like, this was so unusual. Like, I thought it was so bizarre. But at the same time, I was like, mm, I'm kind of getting into this, though. So basically, dinner was like probably around six, mm-hmm. all grand. And then they used to bring out this cart of toast and cereal at like 10. That is so nice. It's so cute, isn't it? We got shitty sandwiches at eight that I never ate. Like after your dindins. Yeah, after like dindins. they they put they put a tea trolley and sandwiches yeah. out of eight, like egg sandwiches and stuff. Mm. They were they were slimy. I couldn't. Mm, but uh, no. you got cereal and toast. Yeah, it was that. so fun. It was, and I think probably biscuits too. It was just there was something about it that really reminded me of being a kid at my granny's. Yeah, because at my granny's, you know, dinner would be in the middle of the day, and then they'd have like. They'd have something like that for tea time. Yeah. So yeah, that kind of I was like, oh, it, that's kind of cute. I it, could take that into the real world at me. Yeah, it is funny how much you start becoming a kid when you're in there at first. Mm-hmm. Like I remember there being um, games. Like, and my friends would be like, oh, like my friends that were my age would be like, oh, we're going down to the games, and I'd be like, games? Like, is that not a bit weird? Like, we're we're adults, and then I'd go down and have like the best time of my life. Oh yeah. Um, bingo. Do they do bingo in Johnny Gods? 
No, no, a lot of things were off the menu because okay. of the pandemic. Yeah. But we had all our coloring books. <laughs> we had, I mean, we had playing cards and drawing nice. and like, it was all really like relaxing. Do you know what we did so one relaxing. day with Zen Doodle? Have you ever heard of Zen Doodle? No. I mean, I'm now like, did I actually hallucinate this? Because I've never met anyone who knows what the fuck I'm talking okay. about. But basically, it was like a class. So, like, you could kind of like, kind of, they encourage you to go along to different things. Like, mm-hmm. so your art therapy and like your occupational therapy stuff. And one of the OT stuff was Zen Doodle. And you basically went to a room and there was a woman leading it and she had like a big piece of paper yeah and you were given a very very tiny little piece of card the size of like a coaster yeah and she would doodle up big on her piece of paper and you were supposed to copy it like line for line um on your tiny coaster and (laughs) it to this day is like one of the most relaxing things i've ever done it like really made the voice in my head shut up or at least quiet okay for like the hours that we were doing it i can i can see how that would be relaxing actually yeah like i could definitely i definitely remember some people couldn't stand it like they just weren't able to yeah. be in that moment yeah it was unbearable but i remember being like i like this mm. and it, there's something very like senior infants about it yeah you know i i do remember with coloring in the ed program one day we were all given colors by the ot and she put down a big box of colours in the middle and then we all had this picture to colour in mm. and we were all we'd all been allowed to look at the picture for five minutes beforehand and she said to picture what you're going to do with the colours beforehand and stuff it's so funny talking about like to talking about this to people who haven't been in psych care it does sound like you know you're being treated like a child but yeah. she said that to us so I was engaging in the exercise and then she said right you're only allowed use three colours on your Page, so everyone picked three colours. Why would she introduce this element of stress? Because <laughs> us being eating disorder patients, we were we're contr- the personality control, control freaks, perfectionists, perfectionist, ambitious, over ambitious, all that kind of stuff. And then it simplified. Like I, I went, ah. I can only use three colours, and I was really annoyed about it. And then I started colouring, and I was like. I'm actually just colouring for colouring's sake now. I'm not doing this whole picture that I used to do. Yeah, this is okay. Yeah, like I, if I'd done the other picture, I probably would have gone, this is going really well. I should start a business where I draw these pictures and put them online and, you know, that yeah. kind of... Oh, yeah, that would be the manic side of me being like, I can parlay this into a side hustle exactly. and turn it into an enormous point of stress. Yes. Oh, my God, completely. Like, There's no I fun did... hobbies when you're crazy. No, no, it's quite... Um, high octane mm-hmm. only. <laughs> um, I can turn anything into a toxic crutch. Like, oh yeah, it's so fun. <laughs> um, I did a picture when I was on the psych ward that made it into one of my books. Oh, gorgeous! Yeah, it's like on the kind of um, inside cover of my book, Corpsing. Okay, and it's a picture of me with my baby. So my baby was like my last baby was quite young when I was on the psych ward. Like he was about six months old, five okay. months old. And um, so, I mean, I'm like, I'd like to say it was really hard being away from him, but actually it was great just sleeping all the time. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I drew that picture when I was in in art therapy and uh, obviously, uh, yeah, made it into the book. That's gorgeous. How nice. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. But um, I actually like sometimes really miss it. 
Oh, me too. Like, it's some, you're me right. Too. It's about being babied. Yeah. Like, I even really used to find it really reassuring the way you have the night checks. Yeah. Like, oh, I love it. Yeah. Like, I'm quite a heavy sleeper, but I used to kind of like stir awake a bit for the like the 2 a.m. and the 4 a.m. And I'd be like, ah. There's Barbara just checking me. Yeah. I love when they lock the door at night and everyone's in their pajamas. And like, you know, I might walk down and make my last cup of tea or fill my water bottle and everyone's just chilled and the nurses have relaxed because everyone's locked in now. And the vibe, (laughs) it just used to send me to sleep. It was lovely. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So did the meds cart. That was nice. Yeah. Even the meds cart, because now I'm in charge of myself again and it's so hard. I actually got take your meds tattooed on me because I'm so bad at getting really chaotic Uh and I'm just remembering I haven't taken mine but very (laughs) (laughs) and um, so I used to find it really soothing to just be able to like amble up to the cart after breakfast and just kind of join the queue and just like be given the very tiny paper cup yeah and I was just like, this is just amazing like everything's been taken off my plate I mean I was also I mean pretty suicidal going in there but still yeah the babying was lovely the way I know that like because I had five stays overall I think mm. and I really learned like after the first one or two stays like that there's a rhythm to it so yeah. when I first got in I'd be so relieved and then I'd really enjoy all those aspects mm. and then when I started when things started to irritate me when it started to irritate me that I had no control over what I made what I had for dinner mm. or like you know, if I wanted to sleep in a bit more or, you know, that kind of thing. When when I started really resenting the control that they had, I was like, OK, now I'm ready to leave. I'm well again. Yeah. yeah. And that was like always a really good sign. Like I remember going to my therapist. I used to go out to my therapist um, in the last day. I remember saying, I've just hit that where it's, everything's really irritating me about being in there. And she was like, oh, I'm so relieved. Yeah. Or whatever. Because yeah. there are people who have to who have to leave because either their insurance has run out or they have to get back to work or whatever. And uh they're not ready to go and I always felt really sorry for them because I I was always ready at the end thankfully it would be really scary to be turned out yeah prematurely yeah definitely it's reality unfortunately yeah I think I kind of come out of the like real fog state yeah like then I'd start to feel a bit more like myself Mm -hmm. yeah I have some questions for you um but I'm gonna skip loads of them because I think we've we've covered a lot of it Mm. um do you think you have to be a bit crazy to be a writer? Did anyone ever go on to you like about, you know, it's because you're a writer that you're this crazy and you, then you were like, no, I have no real mental illness. No, no, um, I don't think you do. But I do think that like, I kind of feel like people who never experience any kind of mental illness or mental health issue I think that those people are in the minority a hundred percent do you know what I mean so I kind of feel like that question could almost be like do you think you have to be a bit crazy to be a solicitor do you think you have yeah. to be a bit crazy to be a national school okay. teacher do you know that kind of way I kind of feel like I don't know if any of us really make it out without any kind of um, like close call or you know do you ever meet someone though and they've never had any troubles like yeah I find it very I have difficult a friend. to like them Oh, you have a friend. Yeah, I have a friend. It's great for me. I have one thing. It's the friend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have this friend who I think would, yeah, have not yet. Mm. But 
I, and she's really like well adjusted. <laughs> yeah. Really well adjusted. Like she doesn't have any, for example, eating things. Okay. And I feel like if you're kind of born at the time that we were born, I'm lumping myself in with you. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I am. I, that's outrageous. I'm <laughs> more than 10 years old, I'm sure. But I feel like if you like, were a teenager in the 90s and early 2000s, to have escaped unscathed by diet culture yeah. is like that's so she's true. like a white whale like yeah. she's Moby Dick and she wouldn't Moby mind you calling her that the guy anyway she's a unicorn she never like had she just it's just wild to me yeah I'm like oh my god like, and is she nice yeah I, I always like I, I and she's uh, really compassionate yeah I feel like I wouldn't be compassionate if I hadn't been through this shit I was very judgy when I was young yeah, I think I was a fucking nightmare before yeah. my nervous breakdown. Like yeah. first nervous breakdown kind of put manners on me a bit. Me too. Yeah. And I think I got a lot more empathetic. When was your first nervous breakdown? How old were you? I was 22. 22. Yeah. So I just finished college. And my first nervous breakdown, at least on the face of it, appeared to be drug induced. Yes. I remember reading that. That's a crazy story. Yeah. Yeah. So the story is... I mean, is, a wild story. Wild story. <laughs> well, it's very unusual to be like seemingly totally normal one day and by the yeah. next day have actually fucking lost your mind and yeah. lost all grip on reality mm-hmm. so it was like a switch was flipped um now yeah so what happened was i was at a lecture picnic in 2007 mm-hmm. and it was like the saturday night i just took a pill and as i was coming up just started to feel fucking deranged like okay. it was like reality was coming apart and I just like was pitched into this like nightmare trip uh-huh. and like I'd like done enough drugs to be like okay this is just a bit of a bad trip yeah we'll be fine mm-hmm. let's just uh go back to the tent yes I mean everywhere around me looked like a fucking nightmare like okay. people's faces were terrifying. I was having like really full body, like these kind of like, it's kind of a weird sensation. It was like the sensation of coming up, except as if every good aspect had been switched to nightmare aspects. So like I was feeling these kind of rolling waves of like heat up my body. God, okay. Um, But but it felt, mm, didn't feel good. And the, like, I just remember like, the ground felt like it was fully moving out from under me. Like it was really trippy. It what was, was this pill? It was just ecstasy you know? as far as ecstasy. I, well, you know the way now. You can't know. It is a bit of a rose Yeah, of and, course. Um, so, I mean, I'm pretty sure it was just sh- shit pill. And did like, and any of your friends take the same ones or anything? Or? Yeah, I think because we would have like gotten them together. together. That's what I would have thought. Yeah. 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 And now like there's no way of telling anymore. Like, was this always possibly going to happen? Did I have it in me? And was this yeah. just the thing mm-hmm. that tipped it over the edge? But like when I got back to my tent, I was like, oh, I just remember being so obsessed with like, I must hydrate. That'll save me. I'm just going to get it out of my system. Ride this out. Yeah. And, like. Oh, I was having like the most horrible hallucinations in the tent, like hallucinating that I was like talking to my mother and like telling her I'd murdered her daughter. And Fucking like, hell. oh, it was so terrifying. And 
I but like the terrifying thing wasn't even like was yet to come like yeah. basically I was like I will, this will be out of my system in a few hours I'll just like make it to morning and I'll be fine yeah and when I woke up I actually did feel kind of fine for at least the first little bit I was mm-hmm. like oh my god that's over fuck pills <laughs> I'm never doing pills again mm-hmm. and then basically like I was only up about 10 or 15 minutes when all of the feelings of coming up um, on the pill like yeah. returned and it felt like I was coming up all over again oh, no. and I was just like this is what like this cannot be happening like what is wrong what is going on and like everything around me just looked really strange it all looked like you were looking down the wrong end of binoculars oh god you know when things look really tiny and far away yeah kind of like dolls house kind of stuff that's horrific yeah, it was, and that was basically that went on to like an extreme level for about four months. No, yeah, Fucking three months, hell. and like I it waves are constant, constant, constant for four constant. months. The one thing was that I felt normal in my dreams, and oh. I used to wake up every morning and think, oh, "It's gone, is it gone?" Oh no! And then all of it would come like rushing back like a wave. Oh. It was unbearable and like I couldn't um I just couldn't admit it. I just couldn't admit that like I really fucked my brain. Yeah. Like, and it did feel like I was I was I'd really fucked myself irrevocably. That's a horrible thing to come to terms with, to be fair. Yeah. And like that I'd done it to myself. Yeah. And I had all this shame around that. Yeah, of course. And like I think anyone who has mental illness like grapples with shame like of course undeserved shame but mm-hmm. like it's something that's really it's because it, well it's so stigmatized and like you know and there's still a whole swathe of people who kind of think can you not just snap out of it oh yeah they think it's selfish yeah so, yeah, yeah or self-indulgent, self-indulgent. yes, yes. <laughs> and uh so i before i got help it became suicidal because i also just thought like i i remember planning my suicide yeah and i remember this overwhelming feeling of just like inevitability about it well how could you not think that it was going to end that way like you your brain was messed up oh and the worst definitely one of the worst things about the whole experience was that like i had this just well constant sense that like reality wasn't real Mm -hmm. and that like people in my life had been replaced. Uh, oh, God. Yeah. No, no. Things were quite, like, delusiony. Yeah. And I had, like, this constant kind of auditory hallucinations. Well, that's what I, like, learned later is what it's called. Yeah. Like, like, whispering in my ears, but I couldn't make out the words. Oh, God. Ah, uh, like, all the time. And I also thought that all my memories of my life weren't real. Um, and it was really hard because I was trying to hold down a job (laughs) well I was working in a bookshop and I actually think working in a bookshop uh, one of the worst jobs to have while having a nervous breakdown (laughs) because you kind of think in theory that it would be kind of good because it's like not too demanding yeah Yeah. but there's too much time to be in your head and to be walking around constantly being like I'm going mad I fucked my brain I'm going mad that makes sense I'm gonna die I'm gonna I have to die because there's no other way that this will end. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I kind of started to like really like formulate a plan, I kind of like some rationale prevailed and I said, okay, I have to give this one last shot. I need to see 
a fucking doctor. Okay. And like my mom had been trying to get me to go to someone because like you couldn't be around me without knowing that like there was something deeply disturbed. Okay. And even though I was denying it like with all of my whole being. Yeah. Do you know? And she was constantly trying to get me to see a psychiatrist and I kept cancelling because it was chaos, you know, yourself. Yeah, you're a (laughs) Yeah. But also because like you just can't it's mad how the most basic things are just kind of out of reach definitely you know that kind of way like i always talk to people about like showering is a big thing for me when i'm in a really bad period yeah i just i cannot explain but i cannot fucking shower okay yeah you know what i mean i feel like everyone's got their own version definitely yeah like eating regularly like that really goes off yes yeah. if i'm in a bad way like i, I think mine would have been showering or like yeah. brushing my hair i remember when i first yes. when i first went into pots i had horrible moths in my yeah. hair yeah um because obviously my hair is so thick mm. and stuff we were and... just admiring it off my it's so beautiful and so um thank you um but yeah it must be hair care i, I would say it's just this stuff that seems so simple but like it's like your everest yeah I, for some reason it's just out of reach it's just like i can't do it that's actually one of my questions just mm. while we're while we're on this um how do you like hold yourself accountable now when you're having like a bad like my thing is like i have to brush my teeth i'm mm. like you know you have to brush your teeth because you're gonna even if i, if I can't make the shower that day or whatever mm. like you have to brush your teeth because you're gonna feel like shit if your mouth tastes disgusting yeah and i have to change my pajamas um yeah i have to like make my bed which really i mean just literally like shake out the duvet put it on straight okay so i mean it's pretty low fi i'm not like a i'm not a throw pillows girl okay i don't believe in making the bed so interesting um, i never have i just yeah i have to do that okay and um i'm actually really bad at brushing my teeth as well it's one of my other ones yeah but i have a whatsapp group um and i would often like we would have a shared thing about this shower thing Mm -hmm. like we'd all have our own flavor of mental illness as well so it's great to have that kind of like uh shorthand definitely uh, with your friends and like i would kind of like i'd write in and be like the shower has to happen. It hasn't happened for whatever, four days or something. And then, you know, that would kind of, somebody else would be like, you can do it. It will feel good once it's done. And like, actually one of those friends bought me a little speaker that is waterproof. So that like, you kind of trick yourself in there by like listening to a podcast or something. That's gorgeous. Anyone who doesn't know this is probably really like, oh my God, scummy bitches. But like, I swear this is a thing. Yeah. And I, mean, I actually wrote a column about it um, like about a year or two ago. And like I got so many responses from people being like, yes, the shower, I cannot do it. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I do sometimes to like force my hand when it's been too, too long. long. I know that feeling. Um, yes. So I really, really like sea swimming and I go swimming and that will often force my hand because you have to shower. I kind of have to shower to warm up afterwards. So oh to warm up it's kind yeah. of like a big forcing of the hand yeah like but yeah i do those things um for sure like there's some things that being a parent with mental illness is like harder 
Of course. And then there's some things that actually being a parent and having a mental illness, like there's a weird kind of like compatibility there. Okay. Insofar as I really, really have to get out of bed. Like, That's it. And yeah. on those mornings where like there feels like there's no point mm-hmm. to anything um, that I just have to go downstairs and make fucking packed lunches. Yeah. And like I can do it with this horrible emptiness um um but it just gets me off out of the bed because you have to and once yeah. i'm out of the bed like i'm kind of good enough and not returning to the bed yeah do you know that kind of way i kind of run slightly more towards the manic end of things okay well i have to really watch myself it's mm-hmm. like i'm bipolar so yeah. basically i'm really only one or the other yeah okay i have like two sweets it's really annoying okay really annoying that, so that, yeah it's fifth gear or it's uh everything is pointless yeah no bipolar is very exhausting it, it seems is. yeah it's so tiring <laughs> it's so tiring yeah um i have a really nice little buffet of meds at the moment though okay she's feeling Gosh. cheerful that, that's the thing with bipolar isn't it like the meds are it's really hard to get the right cocktail but once you hit on it yeah yeah, touch wood. Touch, touch wood. wood. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm like, what's my favorite thing that I'm on right now? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a. Yeah, and that's the other thing, like, say, the taking your meds thing that you're just like, it doesn't, it's not rational that I cannot get this. Like, I can get three small human beings up and out the door, off to school with everything they need, mm-hmm. but can I take four fucking tablets? <laughs> Apparently not. Not most days. The tattoo is really working. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. I'm glad you got that for yourself. I know. Yeah. It's 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 nice to find something that works. It's a matching one as well. My friend has one. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're (laughs) both, we're both challenged. Medication was amazing. I truly think it saved my life. Yeah, Um, me too. I got counselling as well. And I think I kind of started to come out of that breakdown. Like, Little by little, I think that improvements started about six months after okay. um, that first pill. And then I was kind of like, I'd have good stretches, bad stretch, good stretch, bad stretch mm-hmm. for like maybe the next kind of five years. Yeah. Um, and I it think that's like, years, that's it? just recovery. Yeah. And the thing is now, like, I can't even really say that it's not still like that because like I, with bipolar and stuff, I have to really, really watch myself. Of course. Like it's um, so it's almost like that spell of five years just led directly straight into the next spell. Yeah. And um, I got diagnosed uh, a few years ago and it did make a lot of my life make sense then. Okay. Did yeah. you have that? Yeah. But I think I always knew I had depression and stuff mm. for like a long time. And then, um, well, I didn't think I had an eating disorder. I yeah until I got a bit older and stuff I don't know that's that's not a very uh, a question because like uh, I kind of always think of course I had depression because yeah my whole life you did a like, lot to do yeah it. yeah like my earliest memory are of me being like please 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 let me wake up a girl tomorrow please yeah. and yeah. then I'd wake up and I'd be like halfway through getting dressed and I'd be like oh it didn't happen I'd remember Poor baby lay. Yeah, so that's like. And what kind of age do you think you were then? Four or five. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh my god, it's just so fucking. But also, I always say, thank God, I didn't transition then because I would have named myself Shakira. I was obsessed <laughs> with Shakira. <laughs> Shakira Beauty. It's not really. Um... <laughs> Beauty's a great last name. I feel like you really have like the world is your kind of oyster in terms of names. Oh. Like, White is my last name. Yeah, and... I think that's a great name. Well, but when I was trying to name my kids, there was loads of names. I was like, oh, like Isla White. I really liked Isla for a girl. Isla White. Isla White. <laughs> oh, sorry, I just got that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lots of names start to sound a bit like Pharaoh and Ball names. My mum has the most off the wall taste in names. I actually got so lucky just being called Sophie, thank God. <laughs> um, she was constantly coming up with these amazingly bizarre names. And she was like, what about Bay? Bay. Bay, yeah, Bay White. Because there's like a a stylist in England called Bay Garnet. Yeah, and she was like, "Oh yeah, Bay," and that's like Bay White. Like it just sounds like um a pink like swatch. A yeah, yes. yeah, <laughs> a lot of that going on. Yeah, but yeah, fuck. I I enjoy kids now. Um, I struggled with them for a long time. I need to stop doing material from my show though. I'm not going to talk any anymore. I really, really didn't like kids before I have my own. Really? And I still rarely meet one that I care for. Oh, fair enough. Like, it's really put on for me. Like, if I meet a kid and I'm acting nice, that's huge effort. <laughs> like, I like mine and that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it would be quite negative and toxic if I if didn't, didn't like them. Yes. But I just generally do not, like, if there's a kid in a room, I will be aloof. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, the way like there are certain people who just really gravitate towards kids. Yeah. And just like, and I'm just like, nah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what must that be like having a child that you don't like though? Because people <gasps> do have that. Like, imagine I, giving birth to something and then be like, oh, I hate you. I you cannot to... believe that that really happens. I, I just I can't really connect with that. Yeah. I don't. Uh, what I think might happen more regularly is that like people become parents. They love their kids, but they find parenthood really yeah. difficult. That could be it. Yeah. Do you know that kind of way? But like having said that, I'm like, let's look this up and see if I can find anyone writing honestly and saying, you just don't like my kid here, you know? Yeah. Cause I, that would be very interesting. Because yeah. they feel weirdly a part of you. I think that's a part of the big, you know, turmoil of adolescence. Yeah. Is your parents coming to terms with the fact that you are not literally their limb. I know. Do you know what I mean? My mom got really annoyed at me one time because she was like, um, I thought when I had kids, they'd be like mini Audrey's and <laughs> mini J's. And I was like, you're a psycho. <laughs> it's like, that is not a normal thing to think. And then I was like, but you're not a mini version of your mother. And she was like, yeah, but I, I thought I was going to do it better than my mom. So they turn out just like me. Like, you're <laughs> small, a weirdo. Small army. But I actually am a mini Audrey. I'm, I'm very like my mom. Um, <laughs> which isn't a bad thing. I actually, you know, there are worse people I could be like. What stage of the book writing process is most challenging for your mind? Oh. Um, I would say... Whatever stage I'm in. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. No, I think probably second draft. Okay. Oh, God, yeah. So I tend to write really sprawly, messy first drafts. Okay. And 
then I spend a lot of the first draft being like, oh yeah, I'll sort that out in the second draft. I'll sort this out in the second draft. And then I come to the second draft and I'm like, oh my God, fuck you past Sophie. You lazy bitch. You should have sorted (laughs) it out when you were doing it. You didn't have to leave it to me, Mm -hmm. future stuff to deal with. Um, So (laughs) that is, I think it's always very confronting to be like, oh God, this is what the book is. Because there's always, um, like, I don't know if you find this, but like, there's a distance between the idea you've kind of conceived in your mind and what actually comes out. Yeah. And you have to kind of eventually let go of the kind of perfect idea that Mm -hmm. you had. And you have to meet what you've made where it is and like, and then work on how to improve it, how to like bring it forward. And I also, second draft for me, I just, I always think of it as like, uh, like I'm moving the furniture around. Yeah. It's clunky. It's not the fun flow of the first draft. That's it, yeah. Yeah. But it's so necessary because like, as I said, I just write the worst first drafts like imaginable. So I have all this furniture moving to do in the second draft that feels less fun but then ultimately is so vital. Yeah. And then it's much more work. You know, when you're kind of moving furniture around a room and at some point all of the fucking furniture is like grouped in the middle of the room and and you're picking your way over things and you feel like you're kind of, you're, I don't know, you're kind of going down weird cul-de-sacs and how the fuck do I get out of this? That is all the feeling of the second draft to me. And then there is a turning point with the second draft where things are starting to find their uh, to find their place in totally. the room and then then I think it's like third draft fourth draft is really it's it is tough mm-hmm. because you're like in the weeds and you're like sorting it out on like a sentence level like mm-hmm. they call it the line edit and it's when you're just you've actually read the thing about 70 times at this point yeah you can barely see it anymore yeah you hate it there is nothing that has ever been produced that has touched this level of shitness. Yeah. And it's really hard to like keep the faith. Yeah. And I find that part of it really challenging as well because like you're just trying to cling on to whatever spark of joy had like had you conceiving this project. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or yeah. conceiving this idea. And like you're it's just it is that is very hard work. Yeah. Because you definitely at some point want to just like drop kick it over a wall and be like, fuck it, I don't care anymore. But like keeping that care is is definitely hard, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And usually what I do at that point is I will read it on my Kindle. Like I'll stop editing it altogether on my laptop and I put it on my Kindle and I take um, like a and take a notebook yeah okay. and so I try to experience it like a reader yeah. then and like changing the format that I'm looking at it yeah helps to bring distance again and help me actually see what it is I've created yeah do you know Um. so it, there's like so basically what I've described is each part of the book having its, its own nightmare. terrible aspects and really good aspects you start off there when you I think the you... first draft is the best I love writing the first draft yeah See, when I, like, I published 
um, I self-published Your a collection. book yeah when I was young but like I think I just released the first draft because it was self-published <laughs> so uh, like I had my mom ringing me and saying like oh there's a typo here and stuff and <laughs> yeah, I just went back. yeah it's so hard um, to self-publish but it's so hard to every aspect yourself yeah well I mean I was just a, a cocky 18 year old as well like that book I can't even look at it anymore um, but the yeah the the whole I, I, I don't know how well I'd cope with the second draft to be honest it um, is, yeah. I think, like, you have an editor. So you're not alone in it. I suppose, yeah. And that's massive. Yeah. Because, like, I think it's quite hard to come back to your own work without any kind of, like, fresh perspective. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Cause I don't think I'm a writer anymore, though. Like I just I, wrote the most amazing show. I just went to it and it was well, brilliant and I cried and I actually <laughs> laughed so hard my face hurt at the end. Oh, well, thank you. But I, the show, like, I feel like I'm hitting on something. I think I'm a talker. I'm not really a writer. I know I had to write that, obviously, but yeah. it's the it's the, the performance. performance was the, the main bit for me. Yeah, you are an amazing performer. Like, you have a magnetism. And like, oh, that's so sweet. That's like, you can't manufacture that, you know, at all. I don't think. Oh, thank you. And so, but I wouldn't necessarily say I'm not a writer, mm. you know, because I think a lot of writing is quite like performing. Like, yeah, when I write um, in the third person, which is like, she thought this, she did this, that happened. Yeah. I always think of it as like I'm a director organizing scenes and organizing. It's like I feel more like an organizer than a writer when I'm writing in the third person. Totally. And then if I write in the first person um, like fiction, I mean, uh, I feel like an actor. Okay. And I feel like I'm kind of embodying this character. Yeah. And I feel almost like every time I sit down to write, I feel like I'm pulling on their skin and I am living life through through them and mm-hmm. through how they would behave and through the history that they have. And it's just like, I think it's really close to performing. It's just that you're performing totally alone. Alone. <laughs> alone yeah. in a room and you're performing for a page. Yeah. You know? So I find them really connected. Yeah. And I find like, so I find like reading, watching movies and TV and watching performances and theater and stuff all like teach me. Yeah. You know, like I I take so much out of all of those mediums that I almost feel like it's weird to delineate. Yeah. I I feel the exact same, actually. Mm. Um, Speaking of your writing, actually, I meant to say my granny told me to tell you that um, she always looks for your pieces in the paper and they're her favourite bits. Oh, I'm not it. sure if she just wanted to be mentioned on the podcast or whether she meant <laughs> that. But no, no, I'm joking. She actually does. Um, she she has handed me some of your articles sometimes and then I say, I know her and she doesn't believe me. <laughs> um, I love that. I love to hear that I'm hitting different demographics. Yeah. Because I always feel like you're doing something right if you're kind of recruiting people who aren't like you mm-hmm. do you know because I feel like then you must be telling a truth oh you're very like my of, granny I'm well, <laughs> <laughs> she has a cool name <laughs> I have a cool name um, but I feel like you must be hitting on some kind of universal truth mm-hmm. if you're managing to recruit like I always feel like my absolute ultimate is like 
the cis straight man. If I have one of those reading my like, you know, chiclet novels or whatever, then I'm always like, ooh. Yeah. I really, and it's not because I value them as an audience. I mean, it's not that I don't. (laughs) I have to caveat that. But it's not that I value them as an audience, but it is that I feel like they are the furthest from me. Yeah, I So I kind of think like if I've actually managed to like net one of them, that's kind of, that's interesting to me. Yeah, I used to pretend that it really annoyed me when girls would come up with like their boyfriend and like they'd kind of nudge the boyfriend and the the boyfriend would say, oh, like, I thought you were great on first dates or whatever. Like I used to pretend, oh, that's so annoying. Like that the girlfriend looks so proud of him. But yeah, secretly I'd be like, oh, that, you know, I got to, to him. Yeah. You know, because yeah. the others are easy. You yeah, know? that's um, it. That's it. Yeah, or an older man. That's it. Um, exactly that. Yeah. Some of these questions are very cringy. Okay, I think I'm pretty much... Um, what's your ultimate comfort food? I do want to know that. Mm, oh my God, so many things. But this is... Okay, do you know the old El Paso meal kits? Yeah. Like naff. Naff a shit Mexican food. Yeah. Like there's no actual relation to real Mexican food, I imagine. Yeah. So I love the old El Paso meal kit for the tacos, the crispy tacos. Oh, I have had that, yeah. I just fucking love them. I really associate them with my dad. So okay. I think that's part of the comfort aspect. Yes. And I just really like the kind of saltiness and uh, just all of the little components. Their shells are nicer than ones I've had in restaurants. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh. They're uh, divine. That shocks me though that you're a chef and you just said oh, El Paso. I know, I know. People you're are gonna, like, like push one of your own recipes or something. <laughs> no, no, I just absolutely love them. I don't get okay, them very sorry. often. Like I kind of, I don't remember to get them. Yeah. The other one is Cocoa Pops with mini marshmallows. Oh. Or sometimes them. I'll have um, Cheerios with mini marshmallows. Oh, you add the marshmallows yourself? Yes, I do. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. I don't, I don't drink milk, so I can't have cereal. I've never enjoyed that, really. Do you enjoy a nut milk? No. No. I did, like, cereal's not a thing for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I'll have an oat milk cappuccino when I've had too much caffeine. And, and you need to kind of take it down It feels like a baby notch. coffee to me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get um, iced coffee when I need to take it down Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I don't touch milk. Um, how do you grate ginger? This, this is linked to the topic ah. of the day as well because this is sending me over the edge. How okay. do you break ginger? So you freeze it. Oh, yeah. Okay, Somebody so, told me that, actually. Yeah, so okay. peel it. Yeah. And freeze it. Okay. And then grate it frozen okay. with like a microplane. It's just that bit finer again. Okay. But the key, the real trick is grate from frozen. Frozen. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. It's really good. It's very frustrating. Yeah, because um, well, thank you. It's stringy. Yeah, yeah, but with frozen, you yeah. bypass all that. And then, like powdered ginger, does not taste the same at all. Um, I use it for baking, but I'd never use it for, for cookery. savory cooking. I don't bake, so um, it's too scientific for me. Too I do scientific. use. Uh, thank you, though. I do use your recipes a lot. Yes. Yeah. Um, I use your lamb tagine. I love it. I love that one. I'm delighted. Um, Your beans on toast. My family love that one. It's very impressive to do. Um, I love to hear it. I was cooking out of that book yesterday. I saw you. Yeah. Just dusted off. I only actually have like 
two copies of that book. Okay. It's really hard to get now. Is it? Yeah, oh, yeah. Cool. Like, hold on to yours. It might way. become <laughs> in some way valuable after my death. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and that's what all writers have to do to get successful. It's just die. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I made the crumble out of that cookbook yesterday. Oh, yes. And that calls for ground ginger. Yeah. yeah. I am... Um, I, I wanted to ask you about that because I saw that on your story. Mm. Do you look at that? Do you ever like change the recipes now after they've been published? Do you ever go, oh no, I did that wrong? Um, I don't think I have with any of them. No. But I also would not be, I suppose, especially because they're my recipes, I wouldn't like necessarily like be st- to the letter. sticking it to the yeah. letter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, like, it being my first book, it is so deeply cringe and I would never, ever, I never read any bits of it. I'm like, oh, no. I got you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's I like a it. different person wrote it. Do you feel that way about 100%, yours? hundred percent, yes. You just, you get this distance from it and you're just like, who even was that person? Uh, honestly, but yeah. like, I was a different person. I had a whole different name and everything. Do you think you'll write <laughs> another book? I mean, never say never, but I, uh, it's very lonely writing. Yeah, it can I find be. It, I find it drives me a bit up the walls. Um, I t- uh, Now when I write, I write, um, I usually in the middle when I'm getting lonely and a bit overwhelmed, I take a break and I write a letter to a friend. That's nice. And then post them. I, I, I am. That's lovely. I'm a bit of a believer in snail mail. Analog. Um, that's something that I found now. I love that. Yeah. I have like voicey correspondences going all day yeah. and like especially with other friends who are writers and like oh, I'll see a voicey drop in that's like oh a good like mm, 15 minutes oh. and I'll be like oh saving that for my lunch break right. and I'll like type back and be like I'm saving you for my break mm-hmm. and that always makes me feel like really connected. Mm-hmm. I love voices so much. They're the best thing that ever happened to me. I hate them. Because I'm really impatient typer. Okay. Like I just can't. And I love re- receiving I like listeners. the most banal updates from your day. I will just eat it. Really? Oh, I love it. Love oh, it. God, what are you having for dinner? What are you having for breakfast? You weirdo. I just, I really enjoy that. And all the podcasts I enjoy. Like I love a podcast like with a point for sure. But I also just really enjoy like people being like Rambling. what I did today stream of consciousness yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah I like that too like um do you listen to celebrity memoir book club I don't listen to podcasts <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't um so you're coming to this fresh your own one very fresh <laughs> yes but I did I did hear about celebrity memoir book club recently and it sounds really good actually it's really fun and they do so their episodes are obviously them reviewing the memoirs of celebrities mm-hmm. and they're both comedians uh, from New York Claire and Ashley and that's fine that's their main episode yeah. but then I'm on their patron and their patron I swear is just them being like I had this for breakfast and then I walked over to Claire's house and then we record and it's just like blow by blow of the day and I just love it yeah, I sounds. actually prepare it I prefer it to the episodes that have a point <laughs> it's so bizarre but I don't know I find it comforting mm. I think it's just comforting and I love a little window into other people's lives yeah I got that yeah so I put out a poll on my Instagram and I asked people do they pee in the shower to conserve water oh yeah do you pee in the shower to conserve water yeah every time I shower yeah me too I mean it's not to conserve water no but it's not to conserve water for me either I'm no, just trying just to put a spin on it but. sheer the joy 
the sheer joy, joy of it. Laziness. I can't believe how many people reacted with disgust. I, I think they're lying. Like they have to be. Why lying. wouldn't you pee in the shower? It's like do you pee in the sea? Of course, it's of the course. first thing I do once I get in there. Yeah. Sometimes it's the thing that gets me in there. <laughs> like, it'll be very cold, but I'll be like, but I'm absolutely dying for a piss. Yeah. So many yeah. people wrote to me and they were like, that's disgusting. No um, way. I every, also brush my teeth in the shower. Me too. Yeah. Every member of my family said yes. That is That was that voted in the Instagram. I noticed that. Um, <laughs> where am I gone? Where is it gone now? Um, I want to know what the percentage was because this morning it was like 50-50 it started off with everyone being like yes but that was all my friends who were tuning in really quick you know yeah 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 and now it's moved to uh... that's fascinating like I think part of it is the standing up for me yeah like I just get to kind of 53 yes yes did win 47% no I am amazed at those people I had to pee in the shower after I got my badge because um because it was kind of going like you couldn't predict. Well, no, no, it was. Well, yeah, it was actually like um, you know the um, the spray, the shower spray on like a garden hose. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was like, like that. At yeah. first, it takes a while for the swelling to settle down. Um, but my doctor did say I have like a really nice water pipe. She took a picture of it last time I saw her and said my water Gorge. pipe is perfect how it should be. Um, but yeah, I used to pee in the shower because I couldn't. It was really hard to get started. Mm. And then I had to practice stopping and stuff. So she said, like, you can either do it over the toilet, but like, she was like, I don't know if you're comfortable with this, but maybe do it in the shower. I was like, of course I'll do it in the shower. Jesus. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I'm in there pissing anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excuse me. I um, got, um, I like, oh, Shiwi, that's what they're called. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Like, I've, I've, I've known anyone who used those, I don't think. Really? They were really big, like, at festivals. Yeah. Like, Especially, like, I still go to festivals, but, like, I suppose I used to go to loads of festivals yeah. the whole summer when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember that you have to practice with them first as well. Do you? Yeah. Like, it's just, you just wouldn't want your very first time to be, like, with your jeans just trying to stand up against you. a bush. Like, it would just be a mess. Does it not suction on? It doesn't so Well, the one I had, it, like... It certainly hugs your form. Okay. But there's no suction. Oh, I thought they were So like, I practiced no. in the shower first, I always remember, <laughs> with my shiwi. That's so beautiful. good. So good. And like, <laughs> my friend still regularly wears a shiwi because she has this like fucking stunning jumpsuit that is really small for her. So like, I have helped her into it before. And I was like, oh my God, like, don't worry. I'm on call all night. Whenever you need to take a piss, let yeah. me know and I'll come and help you get back in. And she was like, great. And then she was going on a night out with like, she had less good friends yeah. um, on this night out. And none of them, she like hadn't crossed the friendship Rubicon into, Fair. will you come and dress me after I take a piss? Yeah. So she brought um, her shiwi and she caught a slit in the crotch of the jumpsuit. No. Yeah. And so the jumpsuit's covered in tassels. Okay. So the slit was actually totally subtle and grand. Tucked away. Um, and then she just like inserted the shiwi for her piss. So it was in like her handbag. Yeah. And she'd stick it down her neck when she went for a piss or up her leg. Uh, up. Up into the hole. She'd kind of like. Oh. She'd smush it. See, they're rubbery. So she'd smush it together a bit like a moon oh. cup. And then it would like spring open on the other side okay. of the hole. Okay. And like she'd wash it, but yeah. yeah, and really just give it a flick and put it back in yeah. the handbag. 
She's my friend for a reason. <laughs> we are deeply scummy together. We've been friends for over 30 years. Peeing is very hard with the vagina. I know that's not an original point to make, but uh, my friend, the first one I had to do outside was Pride, I think. Ah. Um, and I was in an alleyway and I was like, so my friend stand in front of me and he was like, sure, there's no one here. And I was like, stand in front of me. This is my first wee like this. Yeah. And, um, I was crouched down weeing and he walked off because he saw one of his friends and a man came out of a door, like a metal door. I don't know where he came from and just looked at me and then went back in in the door. (laughs) Wherever he was going, he changed his mind when he saw me. Um, But that is pride, I suppose. I mean, it's it's kind of fitting that like, because there's something about being like a woman taking a piss. It's the position you have assumed it's yeah. just well do you know what we just need to normalize it i think so but it's there's something about it that's just a bit kind of like squatty and kind of un, unseemly yeah well i have I to say that. i didn't realize how much you had to squat and yeah i don't know about you but like mine is just so unpredictable your vagina <laughs> like my history oh right yeah and so i'd uh, i'd be there just like holding the whole trouser knicker situation like far out of reach as far out of reach as possible but like i have like such a fucking weak bladder after having three kids okay and so the danger pisses i've had to take like i've some very memorable ones okay like one time i was parked on this residential road beside this park mm-hmm. and like do you know the way like in town in an alley for example yeah you can squat between cars and it feels almost fitting yeah you know, it's like yeah you're kind of this is your terrain for public pissing. Definitely. Whereas residential street no. just doesn't have that vibe. No. And so I I have masterminded this incredible portable cubicle, okay? Mm-hmm. So you need a car, your own car. Yeah. Um, so you open the driver door and the back door. door. Okay. So what you've got there is either side. little coverage either side. Yeah. And then you just kind of like, you know, squat between them. And and do your piss there. And hope that into nobody the gutter. goes to the open yeah. end of the cube. Yeah. Okay. But like sometimes you can kind of make it look like you're rummaging in the <laughs> uh in the door pocket. Like I'll do I'll do the pose. Hang on. Okay. Oh yes, <laughs> that was except the puddle that except would grow the, underneath the you. Stream of piss <laughs> that is just shooting out of your body. Yeah, it's so hard That's having. Beautiful. Um, oh my god. Well, I don't Do drive, and I don't really think bad. the bus driver would like that very much. The bus it, driver, no, no, no. What's really bad? Sorry. Well, pandemic was really bad for this. Okay. Like, I'm sure everyone remembers. Oh, I remember. There was yeah. No fucking Portaloo in the whole of town. No. Except for that one at the top of Grafton Street. Yes. And when I say one, it was seriously one. It was horrific. It was so bad, and like I just remember. Oh God. Did so many weird pisses during pandemic. Yeah, yeah. I walked in on a weird piss during the pandemic. <laughs> I went to the Fibsborough Lewis stop, mm. and there was a woman behind, like whatever way I walked, she was behind the thing. And God love her, she was so embarrassed. And I was like, "Oh, sorry." Oh. And uh, she just put her fingers to her lips as if it was a little, little Which awful shit. <laughs> <laughs> As if it was a little awful, shameful secret. Oh, I was like, don't fine. tell anyone that I take this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't mind. I peed into a McDonald's uh, beverage <laughs> cup okay. at one point during the pandemic. And then, like, because I didn't know where to put it. Yeah. Like, I just had to, like, 
throw it <laughs> in the corner of a car park the east wall of mcdonald's it was very memorable oh, I, hope a child friend was. I was doing it in the front of the car and i had all of my three kids in the back of the car and they were all just like what are you doing and i was like shut up shut up i'm trying to fucking be disgusting subtly over here it was oh. so funny yeah um so yeah i think that's it do you have anything you want to ask me Anything you're dying to know? Let me see. Um, well, I already asked you when your next show is on, mm-hmm. so, which I'm very excited about. Oh, by the way, I'm coming to your book launch event Ooh. like next week. Going with Louise. The week after, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Um, Yay, um, thank you And so I'm excited much. for the new book as well. I know. It's, My hot friend. Good. Yeah. It's about you. <laughs> I know. I wouldn't have said we were friends before today, but okay. It's happening. It's happening now. Oh, yeah. I'm going to start sending you podcast length voices. That's when you know love... you're in the fold. <laughs> no, I loved um, I read the filter this and is that the name of Yeah. And unfiltered. And unfiltered. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved the, the drama of oh, those so books. Happy. And then I, I'm sorry to say I fell off your most recent ones. So, um, is... but I'm, I'm getting back on the Sophie White train. Don't worry. The, the, I will don't worry. Don't, I live on this train and I don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited for my hot friends. Um, yeah, and you did mention that my show is coming back in, in August. I know. Thank Can't you. wait. Thanks for doing that. Oh my god. Listener, if you haven't gone, go. It was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. I have a, I have to extend it by half an hour though. Um I'm so excited. Because I rushed through it. Like there it was not an hour long either of the nights. Really? It was in rehearsals, but then it did not happen. That's funny. You were obviously just like in a good flow. Yeah, or yeah, but also you'll have like more through the summer to add. Exactly. Like, yeah. No. No. I already know some ways. Add this whole ex- piss extend. section. Yeah. You know that's the plan. Yeah. <laughs> there was a joke I made on the second day about my about my dad's penis that I couldn't I make support this on the Friday because he was there, and it was only <laughs> at the last minute that I decided I couldn't make it. Oh yeah. Uh, he'd given me his permission, like I'd warned him. But yeah. I still was like, no, I can't do it to face. I can't. It's hard to have the words like dad dick in your mouth yeah. when he's right there. And it's really hard in like Smock Alley is such a gorgeous venue. And like, I love the boys school and I chose it specifically because of how small it was. But I, it was only when I stood on that stage oh, yeah. that I remembered I can see everybody in here. I can see the whites of their eyes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Feel free to. Oh, I will. I will feel free this. to. But. but with the like eating disorder stuff, yeah. do you still have kind of intrusive thoughts? I'm pretty lucky because most people don't um, like eating disorder recovery is not a very hopeful thing in terms of like it's just a management rather than a and like yeah I mean it's still the first thing it's still the first warning sign if I'm very stressed that uh, my mind thinks this would all be solved if I wasn't eating as much like you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. um but yeah I do I I'm really lucky in that like I've been really satisfied lately and stuff like that and I'm also very aware and always reminding myself that um it only makes ever makes things worse if you start giving into eating disorder thoughts and engaging in eating disorder behaviors like and mm. because I I had such heavy depression coinciding with eating disorder behaviors I think that's why I'm so resistant to letting that back in because you actually have to eat to be happy. Yeah. And you have to eat to sleep. Yeah. Which were two things that like really shook me. I remember in group therapy, the eating disorder program in POTS is 
amazing. It has saved so many people um, that I know and it saved me. But um, yeah, one of the, one of the, but realizing those two things, I'll never be happy and I'll never sleep well mm. if I keep going like this. Is, yeah. Um, and now I'm happy and I sleep well, so. That's really good. Yeah. I have gone through phases of pretty severely disordered eating. Really? Yeah. And I kind of first started to kind of come out of it. I started to see a dietitian about two, a year and a half ago, maybe. Okay. And that was really, um, it was an insight into just how hard um, people with eating disorders recovery can be. Mm-hmm. Like a small insight because obviously like disordered eating is different. Um, is it? I think so. I mean, I don't know. I just feel, well, it's actually, it's not my kind of, it's not really for me to say, I guess. Like I'm not a professional. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely think from friends with ED, I do think it's, uh, yeah, I do think it's different. Yeah. Well, I definitely delineate it because I kind of feel like, one, like what I understand is that like eating disorder is like a full body and life takeover. Yeah. Whereas like I found with my disordered eating, like I could go through really kind of bad phases of like restricting and then like I'd have better phases. Do you mm-hmm. know, like I just, it's I got less, you, I got you, yeah. Um, I actually think like eating disorder uh, recovery um, and alcoholism, like I feel like there's a lot of overlap in addiction there. I always say that eating disorder is an addiction and yeah. the models of recovery for them. I have a friend who's um, been going through addiction, um, help with addiction for the last year and like we really relate to each other now with with all, a lot of the things in recovery because yeah. it is, you're addicted to starving yourself. Like Yeah, it's, it's just like so much harder though because you can't abstain it the way an alcoholic can. Yeah. Like I do feel like, I mean, so lucky that actually it can be quite cut and dry. You just like cannot take the first drink yeah. or drug or whatever. Um, but like even recovering from like chronic dieting and disordered eating, I found to be really challenging. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So I feel like I have a small insight, glimmer of an insight. I'd say, I'd say you have an insight, it sounds like yeah. you do. Um, actually, I am just going to hold myself accountable there, though. I did say that um, I haven't been having any of the thoughts or whatever, but I, I have in the last few weeks. I've been um, looking into... You know, I've been like exercising a bit more recently, which is just good. Like, you know, I'm not doing it for weight loss reasons or anything. It was just for overall health reasons. But then, I, mm. yeah, I do find that engaging in that makes me want to engage in the other stuff or whatever. So obviously, I'm not giving into it or anything. Like, I'm in a good headspace or whatever. But yeah, I don't, I don't want to pretend that I'm not struggling with it at the moment either. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So yeah, thank you for asking me that because I do have to give myself a bit of a kick up the arse. Yeah. It's good to kind of reflect. I guess um, I have a friend who is in recovery and like she has a really nice way of putting it where it's kind of like observing your patterns or your thoughts without judgment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just kind of like she says honoring the feelings. Yeah. Um, And that that kind of helps you not actually start to feed them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, when I said kick up the arse, that sounded actually very harsh, but I am actually very nice to her, the inner critic. Yeah. Because um, that's obviously the only, re- it's kind of the only way that you can solve your inner critic is to actually 
show compassion and then I always have to think of her it helps me to think of her as like being my teenage self mm. who was very frustrated and very hurt and very angry and lashing out so of course that is who the self-critic is and then mm. I think what would I do t- to her and I'd give her a little hug yeah. and tell her it's going to be okay and stuff like that and that yeah that's how I feel my eating disorder is my teenage self mm. um, yeah anyway <laughs> this has been a pleasure yes thank you so much I'm going to wrap up with a few little thank yous um, thank you to anyone listening to this baby podcast um, thank you to my brilliant producer Niall Duggan um, to DJ Succulent for my wonderful music it's a great name isn't it yes and thank you Sophie White for being my gorgeous guest um, it's been a real pleasure talking to you I know it's and been so much fun yeah I feel like I could sit here for hours more um, just pre-drinking away yeah just pre-gaming <laughs> the, um, well that's always the thing about pre-drinks is you never want them to end you, mm. you don't want to go out um, yeah the way that the podcast is hopefully going to work is that uh, I would like to have like the same people I'm not not like obviously um, asking you to make a huge commitment but like every few months um, I'd love to sit down and talk about different topics or whatever I don't want it to be a thing of like oh somebody came on told their story and left like I'd like Oh yeah, I'd like definitely. To keep the same yeah, around. I'd love to come so, back. Okay, amazing. And I Thank love so a topic of any description. Mm-hmm. Like I'll t- literally talk yeah. about anything. Oh, next time we'll do something really fun and fluffy. Yes, because I really appreciate you being so vulnerable with me as well. Oh no, I'm delighted. Yeah, get me back to me do. Okay, cool. absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>